As a way to honor all of the mothers on here, from now through Mother's Day weekend, you can grab the My Essential Birth course and get the new bonus birth affirmations track plus matching birth affirmation cards and get entered to win one of three goodies from Docatot. Or you can be one of the first five to bundle and save grabbing the My Essential Birth and Postpartum course. And I will personally send you a handmade 100% muslin cotton belly bind with your bonus tutorial video. Plus you get all the bonuses from before the birth affirmation track, matching birth affirmation cards, and you get entered to win one of three goodies from Docatot totaling $247 worth of goodies. Head to myessentialbirth.com forward slash get started and join me in the birth course today. Happy Mother's Day. Welcome to the My Essential Birth Podcast. I'm Courtney. And I'm Stephanie. And we're professional doulas, childbirth educators, and the creators of My Essential Birth, the holistic, empowering online childbirth education course helping mothers everywhere confidently achieve their best birth. So join us each week as we share tips and advice for all things pregnancy, birth, and beyond. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so that you can be the first to get new content. And head over to www.myessentialbirth.com for more information about our birth course and to join a community of mamas just like you. I love this review from our reviewer of the week, Alicia X9127. She said, finally had my best birth. I can't thank My Essential Birth enough for giving me the confidence and guidance in helping me achieve my birth goals. I started listening to the podcast as soon as I found out I was pregnant with my third child. I had an emergency C-section with my first and a successful VBAC with an epidural with my second. I'm I, like deja vu. Yeah, right? this, is this like, sounds like you so This far. is my birth story. Did I did not write, write this. this? <laughs> <laughs> I did not write this. So she said, I knew for my third and last baby, I wanted an unmedicated birth. I wanted to be in control of my labor and delivery. I considered it to be a truly personal challenge, and I was determined to be as educated as possible possible to give myself the best chances of making it happen. At 37 weeks on the dot, I woke up with cramps and started contracting. I labored at home as long as I felt comfortable walking and squatting and constantly moving. When I got to the hospital, I was checked into my surprise I was only two centimeters dilated. <laughs> the worst. In, <laughs> I know. Instead of letting that get me down or scare me, I walked and squatted and worked even harder to get to five centimeters. I listened to my body and knew my contractions were strong enough to make labor progress if I did the work. I was able to have my birth plan followed to a T and wasn't afraid to say no to unnecessary interventions. I went from five centimeters to 10 centimeters fast. My husband was such a champion in helping me through transition when I thought I couldn't possibly go any longer. Thankfully, I knew that this meant the pain was almost over and I just had to dig a little deeper. They broke my water and my body immediately had this involuntary intense urge to push. And within 60 seconds, whoa, my baby yeah, was on my fast. chest and I felt like a superhero. I was so proud of myself and my husband. The journey brought us closer together as a couple and was everything I imagined my birth could be. Thank you, My Essential Birth, for helping me achieve my goals. I was unable to purchase the birth course due to being laid off this year, but I recommend it to all pregnant women I encounter because of all the amazing knowledge I gained from the podcast alone. I love this. We are cheering. <laughs> oh, my word. Yeah, um, especially after having births that you weren't happy with and then being able to gain. It's not just knowledge. This is knowledge in action. 
So she yeah. took whatever she learned from the podcast and implemented it and took her husband along the way with her. And that's where you see those incredible birth stories. I'm so happy for you. That's so great. And you guys, I hope you listened. She was doing all this work at home, got to the hospital, two centimeters dilated. She could have been crushed by that Oh, news. totally. Yeah. But then she went on to go from five to 10 centimeters crazy fast. Labor's nuts like that. Right. That can totally happen. So yep. just because it takes you a while to maybe get to five centimeters doesn't mean that that's how the rest of your labor is going to go. Totally. Yeah. The mindset is huge. Yeah. And she had that. That was great. Okay. So today we're going to talk a little bit about who's on your birth team. But before we get into that, we want to talk about the why. Why does it matter who's on your birth team? Okay. So, and we'll tell you all about what that looks like in a little bit, but I wanted to walk you through, we wanted to walk you through these two scenarios first. Okay. So we're going to use a, a name of Jessica for our Sorry birthing mother. Sorry for Jessica. <laughs> okay. And we're going to read you a tiny story. Okay. So Jessica wants more than anything to have an medicated birth. She wants it to be a private and intimate experience with just her husband and the doctors and nurses, of course. She dreams up the most beautiful birth in her mind and gets to work preparing the best way she knows how. She reads lots of books. She listens to positive birth stories. She listens to podcasts. And she talks to her husband about how excited she is and how much she loves him. And as we're reading, I want you guys to think if any of this is resonating with you, holds true for you, if you can relate to any of it. So her birth plan is pretty simple. She doesn't want to get an IV. She wants to be able to wear her own clothes while laboring. She wants intermittent rather than continuous fetal monitoring, no epidural, and some things for baby like delayed cord clamping and immediate skin to skin. Her provider seems supportive enough, but he kind of smirks when she discusses her birth plan. And he told her that they would see how it goes without an epidural because, of course, she's a first-time mom. And in his experience, first-time moms say that they want to go unmedicated, but then they ask for the medication. Does he tell her this? Yeah. Ew, rude. But think about it. He's <laughs> You're in – anyway, she's like, yeah, in her provider's um, office, and she's got her husband with her, and he kind of smirks over to dad, and he leans back to her. He's like, well, we'll see how it goes. You know, kind of jokey. He's friendly. Yeah. But it's like, you know, a lot of first-time moms say that, but you get going, and it's pretty intense. So let's see how it goes. You might want that medication. And she's probably really trusting of him or wanting to be because he's seen birth way more than she has. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Her husband seems supportive, but he doesn't want to take a birth class with her because they only get so much time together during the week and he's tired after work. He listens when she talks about the birth stories she's watching and what she's been reading, but only passively while staring back and forth at the TV. Can anyone really? I'm like, <laughs> I know I'm, I'm preaching to a choir here. She's mentioned wanting to look into a doula, but her husband says they don't really have the money for that and he's going to be there. So what else would a doula really do for them anyway? And not to throw my husband under the bus, but he was like, for real, like, what am I there for then? <laughs> okay, we've been here. Uh, her mom seems supportive, but has made several comments about knowing that Jessica is going to want her there at the birth, even if she doesn't think she wants that right now. After all, she couldn't have done it without her own mother there. And she says that she supports Jessica for not wanting to have an epidural, but she'll make comments every once in a while about how she doesn't understand why someone would want to suffer like that. And she hopes she'll change her mind. After all, she had an epidural herself. 
Talk about the mom guilt. Wow. Mm -hmm. Well, Jessica hits 39 weeks and her provider says that they'll need to set up an induction date just in case she passes her due date, not set in stone, but just in case (laughs) she's worried and wanted to go unmedicated and this would make it hard. Plus, she wonders why this wasn't brought up earlier. Why at 39 weeks? Right. Okay. Luckily, she goes into labor on her own 39 weeks, six days. Woohoo. I know. She may even have her baby on her due date. She's pretty excited. Her husband wants her to call the doctor though and tell him that she's having contractions because she is and so she kind of just wants to labor at home for a bit because they're still far apart and not very strong but she knows that her husband's worried so she chooses to go ahead and give the doctor a call she calls and naturally they want her to come into the hospital she asks if she can stay at home for a bit and they insist that it's safer for mom and baby to come in her husband overhears the conversation and agrees and encourages her that direction as well so what do we think happens next (laughs) so they head into the hospital she gets they're early in labor. There's monitoring to be done, walking to get things moving, a mom that shows up even though she was not invited. Oh. And guess what? She brought her sister too because she knows she's going to need the support. Uh, they also tell her that placing an IV, remember her birth plan, is a standard procedure at this hospital and it's the safest thing for mom and baby as well as wearing the hospital gown because if there is an emergency, they need to be able to get to her fast. And I have a feeling that her mom and her husband are probably going to be like, you know, they're probably right. You you do want to, yeah, they're going to want to do that. Yeah. So she consents. Jessica has a few vaginal exams and things aren't progressing as quickly as the provider and nurses would like to see. She felt like she was doing great until all of this. They tell her that she can choose between breaking her waters or starting some Pitocin and she picks breaking the waters, not at all on her birth plan. Contractions become intense but still no further dilation. She's been at a four for hours. The nurse recommends an epidural and with her husband on his phone and talking back and forth with her family in the room who really isn't paying much attention to her except to say, oh, I'm sorry, or that looked like a strong one. (laughs) When she made noises through contractions, she breaks down and decides to get the epidural. She cries and everyone in the room just tells her she's going to feel so much better after she gets this epidural, but that's not why she's crying. As a way to honor all of the mothers on here, from now through Mother's Day weekend, you can grab the My Essential Birth course and get the new bonus birth affirmations track plus matching birth affirmation cards and get entered to win one of three goodies from Docatot. Or you can be one of the first five to bundle and save grabbing the My Essential Birth and Postpartum course. And I will personally send you a handmade 100% muslin cotton belly bind with your bonus tutorial video. Plus you get all the bonuses from before the birth affirmation track, matching birth affirmation cards, and you get entered to win one of three goodies from Docatot, totaling $247 worth of goodies. Head to myessentialbirth.com forward slash get started and join me in the birth course today. Happy Mother's Day. Luckily, a few hours after the epidural and Pitocin, it's time to push. The provider comes in and they direct her pushing. She's excited. She'll be meeting her baby soon. She can't feel her pushes though. And the provider says he's going to just do a little snip to make more room for baby. It's okay though. She's numb and she won't feel a thing and she'll have that baby in her arms soon. Also not part of her birth plan. Not having the baby in her arms part. The (laughs) The the snip. snip. (laughs) Baby's born and she's elated, a beautiful, healthy baby girl. They put baby on her belly and they begin to rub her until she gives a healthy cry. Past her baby, she watches the doctor clamp and cut the cord right away. 
not part of her birth plan. He must have forgotten, but it's okay. At least baby is with her. The nurses let her take a quick look at her new little bundle and then let her know that they're going to take her to the warmer to get her checked out and she'll be back in a bit while the doctor works on you. As her sweet baby girl is walked away, she thinks, didn't anyone remember what I asked for for my birth plan? Oh my gosh, I'm getting emotional. It's it's not a real story. I made this story. Um, They're all so happy, but no one remembered what I wanted. She lays there looking at the scene in front of her and feeling like she wants to feel happier, but is so sad at the way that her birth played out. Of course she was happy that her and her baby are doing well. Of course she's happy that she got her vaginal birth. And yes, of course, it is so good that her mother and sister who love her and wanted to be there with her are there. But doesn't it matter just for a moment what Jessica might have wanted for this very sacred once in a lifetime experience? Didn't anybody care to listen? Goosebumps. I know. Scenario one, right? And I think it's emotional, not just because, I mean, I've experienced some of this, sure, but we see it all the time. We mm-hmm. hear it all the time. These are the women that reach out to us and say, this was my experience. How do I make it different? And so this is why we do what we do. Here's scenario two. Do you remember what scenario one, we talked about a husband who seemed supportive and a provider that seemed supportive and a mother that seemed supportive. So let's talk about what supportive looks like. So her husband, not at first, but signed up for the birth class anyways, and she made him come. So he was not supportive at first, but she decided we're going to, or he didn't want to do the birth course at first. And so she decided, forget it. We're going to do it anyways. I'm signing up. We're going, let's go to the birth course. Okay. The majority of partners that come will tell us whether they came to a class of ours or they're watching the birth course. Um, it's because my, my wife made me, my partner made me, yeah. I'm here. Cause she said I had to be here. Okay. Yeah. So we have a lot more power than we give ourselves credit for sometimes. When she had her first prenatal visit with her provider and she kind of told him about her vision for birth, about going unmedicated and he made his little snicker, good natured comments (laughs) about, well, we'll see how it goes. She saw that as a red flag and she decided to interview other providers and found one that was totally on board and excited to help her achieve that. And she switched. Now her mom. She told her that she loves her. Jessica tells her mom, she, I love you so much, and I will let you know if I need you there at my birth, but this is mine and my husband's private moment, and I'd really appreciate if we could do this together. She also stops talking to her about her birth plan because every time she brings it up, her mom has something to say. So they still go out to lunch together, but she knows she's not super supportive, so they have this wonderful familial relationship that has nothing to do with birth on the side. And here is important. <laughs> she and her husband now, after taking this birth course, are totally on the same page, and they both agree not to text family, including dear old mom, when she goes into labor. She asked the nurses to please not allow anybody into the laboring room without our consent and permission. Did you know you can do that? Because you can. Mm-hmm. And yeah, in fact, um, as doulas, we let the the parents know like, no, they're, they can like safeguard you. They can become the like bad Let them person. be the bad guy. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So you tell them, I don't want this person. Like they're going to try and come up and then just say, oh, we'll take care of it. No big deal. And yeah. no feelings are hurt. And it's totally off your shoulders. Okay. As far as preparation, she still listened to podcasts and she listened well. She took notes. She reaches out to us and asks us questions. She reads books. She watches lots of birth videos. Um, and even though her husband refused the birth class and she made him take it anyways, he becomes crazy grateful to understand the process and he's excited to support his wife. He actually becomes her biggest cheerleader and is prepared to help her through her birth. And I would add, because I've seen this happen with so many um, partners and husbands, 
they actually end up being the ones that go on to start to educate others oh, around totally. them. Oh, yeah. this is what we're doing. Why? Why would you have that there? Well, no, it's actually safer for women. Yeah. I love seeing them stand up. They start to become huge advocates of better birth. As part of her birth course, she's part of a community of women who have gone before her, are in her same stage, and who she gets to be a shining example for. She feels grateful and happy and asks lots of questions, as well as answers ones that she used to have, and she's now able to help other women with. Her and her husband practice labor rehearsals. She uses the meditation tracks. She becomes a master at relaxation, and she knows about every part of birth, <laughs> <laughs> what she wants, and what the backup plan is in case something occurs that was unexpected and not on the plan. They discussed having a doula. They even interviewed a few. They're willing to ask for money towards a doula instead of baby shower random gifts to help pay for it. But with how well they were preparing together, Jessica and her husband felt like they could do this together, just them. And it would be just like they wanted it, just the two of them. For her labor, she was not almost forced into an induction. Uh, she had this conversation at a previous appointment with her new provider, and they were both on the same page and knew that unless it was medically necessary, she wouldn't have any conversation. Or if she got close to 41 weeks, if she decided if she was going to pass that date, that they would talk induction and she was comfortable with that. And they agreed to that before the birth. Her labor begins with contractions and she stays at home for a long time working really hard with her husband. When she arrives at the hospital, she's seven centimeters dilated. Yeah. <laughs> throw that throw down for Jess. Okay. Um, she was part of every single decision made throughout the birth pro process. She wore her own clothes and she refused the IV and HEP lock, knowing the benefits and risk, even though they told her that it would be safest for mother and baby. Um, they asked about breaking her bag of waters. It was recommended to help bring baby down after she was quote unquote stuck at seven centimeters for four and a half hours. But she knew about seven centimeter stalls, that they were normal, that there was a good chance that breaking the bag of waters would just cause risk for infection, more painful contractions and put her on a clock. So she refused confident in her decision. Her and her husband got to work using what they learned in the course to resolve a seven centimeter stall. Her birth plan was followed. She pushed in a semi-squatted position. No episiotomy was offered. After her sweet baby girl was born unmedicated like she had desired and put immediately on her chest, her husband noticed the provider grab the clamp and get ready to clamp baby's cord. But her husband stopped him and said that he wanted to remind them that they would like to wait. Um, the provider pulled back and said, oh, that's right. I'm so sorry. I forgot. Her baby stayed on her chest while they took vitals. And she and her husband smiled at their new baby. All the staff told her what a wonderful job she did and how happy they were for her and her husband. Jessica felt loved, safe, protected, and respected. She was full of joy and elated to have her baby in her arms and her husband by her side. She couldn't wait to share the good news with the rest of the world. Hey, I hope that you were able to relate to one of these, hopefully the second one, right? And if you were relating more to the first, we want you to know that you can have the second. That um, when you are prepared, when you have knowledge, when you set up your birth team for success, that all of a sudden this becomes your reality. And a mother that walks into motherhood confident and prepared and empowered and capable versus a mother that feels defeated and like she's failed herself and her baby, it changes worlds. Um, and 
and it leaves her in a space to be able to share that confidence and empowerment with other women. And so the train goes, right? The story keeps moving on and it does for generations. So it's a beautiful thing. We Birth is, I feel like, sometimes so pushed to the side. Everybody does it. And I feel like that's how a lot of people feel, particularly not moms, right? Like husbands or fathers or whatever, or sometimes providers, like it's just another day in the life. Like, yeah, you're going to have your baby and then motherhood is where it really gets right. And that's kind of the comment. But the truth is that this sets up all of that. And so when we respect and protect a mother during pregnancy into motherhood, you are, um, you are setting her up for so much success and love. And it's, it's a beautiful thing. And it's not to say that if you have had a less than experience that that has to define your motherhood from then on out, that's not the case at all. But just like with everything, if we can get you started off on the right foot, it's just going to be more positive, more positive. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, I'll tell you from personal experience, I, I, I do relate to a lot of Jessica's birth story. Um, because I did, I had that cesarean birth and in my opinion, it was absolutely unnecessary. I didn't have support along the way. My husband, as much as he loved and cared about me, didn't know how to support the provider had planned for me to have a cesarean from the beginning. Let's be real about that. And so when we walk into a space like that and my baby's born and I am shaking from the anesthesia and I'm not even wanting to cuddle this sweet baby, I felt so disconnected as a mother. And it took months. For me, it was between three and six months before I felt like I was that baby's mother. Like I had a personal loving connection with that baby. And, and, and it did, it, it was just different. It was a different experience versus these other babies who I gave birth to. And immediately was like, Oh my gosh, you're mine. You know, like this is, this is what I was hoping for. So it makes a difference. All right, let's get us back on track. (laughs) (laughs) So this is about who's on your birth team, right? So what is a birth team? A birth team is anyone who's part of the support system for mom during pregnancy, labor, or birth. Um, It's a team. They should all work together for the good of mom and what she wants and for the good of the baby, as well as supporting her choices throughout the entire process. Yeah. And so if we go back to like Jessica's mom, right? She could have been part of that support team, but it wasn't working out. So it's okay. Like we want to give you guys permission. It is okay to say, Thanks, but no thanks. I'm going to get my birth team going on over here. You can still be involved in my life, but this is what's important to me. So we want you to consider who's part of your birth team. And it's interesting that Steph has on here. Your first ally (laughs) is your brain. Yeah. Seriously, though, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And I even if we go back to those stories, right, like the first one was like, oh, I want these things. I know I want these things. But when other when other options are provided, oh, dang, I was not prepared. I don't know what the other options mean. I don't know if I say yes to this or no to that, what that's going to look like. And now that we're in the thick of it, we don't really have time to like, I got to read this book, this paragraph real quick. You know, <laughs> yeah. we're not going to be doing that. So it matters. Um, you can't dream up your birth without understanding the options. Um, you can, but then having anything that's going to look like close to it. And I mean, next to luck is going to be a little difficult. So to assemble and set up the right kind of birth team and birth support, you need to know what you want. And because of that, you need to know your options. You need to know what you don't want. And you need to know what those options are. And otherwise, if if you don't know those things, you're going down a path that you may end up unhappy with, that yeah. you're likely to be unhappy with. Right. Um, and then back to like, who is part of this, right? It's And we said anyone that will will be physically with you. Yes. It's also who you're speaking with too, right? Because we talk about this a lot. Like it matters who you're going to talk to and hear birth stories from. Is it going to be positive? Is it going to be negative? Is it going to scare the heck out of you? Or are you going to leave feeling empowered? And so, 
Um, and are they going to give you all their different kinds of opinions, right? So that can be like your husband, friends, family, provider, siblings, I mean, acquaintance, neighbor, like all of these people can be involved in that space, but it's how much you allow them in that's going to make the mm -hmm. difference. Obviously, whoever is going to physically be there is part of your birth team. And so that includes your husband, your doula, your provider, the nurses or birth assistants, the photographer, the videographer. If you already have children, maybe you want them there as well. Um, it's whoever's going to be physically present. Yeah. And we kind of joke that like you're, you don't get to choose your husband, your partner, <laughs> like that person's stuck there no matter what. Okay. Unless they're a jerk right? <laughs> and they don't show up. Right. Um, but they, if you heard Jessica's husband in the first one, he's on his phone, he's talking to family members, checking the score, checking in with family. Like that's not, that's not supportive. And so that kind of, it puts it on us a little bit. Like she could also tell him, no, you're going to the birth course. You know, you're yeah. going to go take this with me. So train them up, communicate well, work together well, practice together. All of that makes a difference for how labor is going to play out. So with the exception of your partner, which I just have to add, if you're obviously, if you're in an, any kind of an abusive situation, they don't need to be there. Right. And you can have the nurses keep them yeah. out of there. <laughs> in fact, they usually try to get you alone at some point, maybe during triage when you first get there. And, and maybe they'll ask some um, intake questions. Yeah. Some intake mm -hmm. questions about that. But anyway, Everybody else, assuming that you've got a great partner who's yeah. going to be there no matter what, everybody else, literally, you can change. Disposable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that includes your doula. That includes your provider. That like, like nurses. you don't get to pick your nurses. But yeah, during you can ask labor, for a different one. I would like one that's a little more supportive of unmedicated birth or however. So yeah, you do get to choose. Yeah. So your provider is one of your biggest assets. Seriously, when it comes to getting the kind of birth that you want, not being pushed or pressured into something that you didn't really want, your provider is key. They're integral. And yes, your partner should be prepared. But honestly, the provider in a lot of this is going to make the biggest difference right. in how this goes. Yeah, because they make the big decisions. Right. Yeah. So don't just pick somebody that's first on the list. You know how it goes. You get on your insurance provider <laughs> website. You type in, well, I don't want to see anybody that's less than. Or I would or, like the hospital by the beach. <laughs> Which provider matches that hospital? But for my insurance? prenatals, I don't want to drive more than five miles. Right. And so who comes up first? Don't. I mean, it's okay to have those kind of criteria, but don't just pick the first person on the list. Yeah. Yeah. Unless that first person is awesome and you know it. <laughs> We would actually recommend that you interview several different providers and you might be thinking, oh, that's kind of going to be weird. I don't need like five different 10 week prenatal appointments. It's okay. You don't have to do that. You can actually call their receptionist and just say, Hey, I don't really need a prenatal visit. I just want to come and sort of interview this provider to see if we're a good fit. Do you have an appointment slot like that? And they'll hook you up. They, they know what to do with that information. Yeah. And make sure that you're asking the hard questions early on. So you don't want to be having a conversation at 39 weeks about needing an induction because you didn't ask them in your first or second trimester, what do you do when I come up to my due date? That's the same with the IV or if you want to wear your own clothes or if you want to eat or an episiotomy or what if my water breaks? All of that is stuff that needs to happen prior. And really above all, when it comes to finding the right provider, you have to pay attention to how you feel at the end of each and every appointment. If there's any part of you that just like, oh, I didn't, I didn't totally like that response or I still don't really know how she feels about this issue pay attention to those red flags and those gut instincts. There's nothing wrong with interviewing somebody else just to see. In fact, Stephanie and I received so many messages from people who are like, thank you for giving me the courage to interview a new yeah. provider. <laughs> it ended up working out so much better. I know I'm going to be so much happier. So it's okay to do that. Yeah. Um, and then doulas. 
Okay. If you're wondering where to find one, because this is definitely somebody that can be in your birth space. Um, there are several places. And so we have, we trained through Dona and you can go to Dona.org, D-O-N-A.org. We'll put all the links in the show notes. There's also doulamatch.net, um, local doula groups, local Facebook groups, moms groups. Uh, oh my gosh. Moms groups. That's another podcast for another time. <laughs> Stay out of mom's groups, but that is a place that you can find them. And it's the same kind of concept, right? Interview them. How did you feel? How did your partner feel about it? Um, make sure they're with you because they can be a good read on things as well. Um, I would say that even more so than the number of births that they've attended yep. is personality. Yeah. Do you click with them? Do you feel comfortable with them? Do you're like, oh my gosh, I, I would totally hang out with this person outside of birth. How comfortable do do they make you feel right? Or this person is going to bring so much peace into the birth space. Or in my case, it's probably a lot of energy and jokey behavior, you know, yeah. so, but, but that might not match with some people and it matters. And I love what you brought up. Cause I've shared that before when I did interview a doula for my third birth, I interviewed two. Um, there weren't a lot in the area actually. And they were, um, in like a group together, but the first one, she was like donor certified. She'd been doing it for like 10 years. She'd been at all these births. She came highly recommended and she was great. She would have been wonderful in my birth space. But when I interviewed the second, and I think I was her second or third birth, mm-hmm. and she hadn't, I don't know if she hadn't done official training or she didn't get the certification. Like, but anyways, I was like, yes, I just knew like, this is the person I want in my birth space. And I absolutely don't regret that. And I'm so yeah. glad that I interviewed more than one. Um, and it didn't matter to me that she didn't have that experience. It mattered how she was going to make me feel. And, and she was knowledgeable. She knew, you know, yeah. I brought up, this is what happened in my last birth. What would you have done? Um, all those answers were correct. And my husband liked her too. And we look back and my, my husband's the biggest proponent of doulas. He's like, everybody should have one in their birth space. Like <laughs> it is the best thing ever. So yeah. Certainly price is a factor when you're looking at doulas. I know that in our area, you can see women who are charging 350 to 500. And I've seen some women who are charging well over $1,500 per birth. So certainly your budget is something to take into consideration. Um, doulas do have different skill sets and different yeah. energies and different personalities, and they're going to attract different kinds of people. So if you end up having to tell one, um, we ended up deciding to go a different direction. They're going to be okay. They're going to find a family that totally clicks with them and it's going to be okay. Yeah. And in fact, I know that we both do this where it's like, make sure you interview other people too. Like, don't let us be the, we want you to feel so good about this when you, when we walk into that birth space. Yeah. And then family, (laughs) do you really want them there? (laughs) It's okay if you do. You don't. And it's okay if you don't. Like you don't have to have them in your birth space just because their family doesn't mean they need to be there. Yes, I know. I mentioned that like birth before and we used to do it all together as a family. Like it doesn't have to be like that though. Right. Are they 100% supportive? I think that's the biggest thing. I know when I put forth the intention of, I want to have an unmedicated birth. And I told my mom about that. She was like, oh my gosh, I had an unmedicated birth with your little sister. And it was the easiest delivery, but I think that's great. Go for it. Mm. And so I knew she was going to be out there to come help me anyway. I knew that I wanted her in that space because I didn't want somebody that was going to be doubting me or doubting the process I needed. I was happy to have her there. Yeah. And that's wonderful. Sorry, mom. (laughs) (laughs) That was, there's a picture of me with my third birth texting my mom. I'm in labor. I love you. And I like turned off my phone. I'm like that. Yeah. I just need, I just need space to do this thing. Right. Um, think about, will anyone say anything stupid like, or, or uncomfortable or undermine your choices or in any way make you feel unsupported? And if the answer is yes, in even the slightest way, and you know, or annoyed, sorry, or annoyed. Oh my gosh. Yes. Annoyed. <laughs> 
And if you know, sorry, you know, I didn't mean to interrupt yeah, you. Go no, ahead. but you know, like when you think about it, when you envision your birth, picture this person in your birth space. What does that look like for you? And how do you feel? And if you can't, if it's not a resounding yes, it's a no. Keep in mind that birth obviously is a very intimate experience. And we're not just talking about the fact that you're probably going to be very naked at some point. (laughs) We're talking about emotionally and spiritually. It's a very intimate, sacred experience. And so it's totally okay not to invite them. And um, let, let us give you that permission. This is between first and foremost, you and your partner. Yeah. And just because Courtney and I won't physically be there with you, I mean, for most of you, some of you, right. Might actually, that'd yeah. be fun. Um, but we hope that you're going to use this for support along the way. That's what we're here for. We want to answer your questions, send us emails, send us DMS. You don't know how often we jump on stories and answer questions, just question after question. Same with the Facebook community group. Like once you are in the birth course and you have questions, like we're on there all the time. So let yeah. us be a part of your support. So when, at what point in a woman's pregnancy, Stephanie, should they start to assemble their birth team and pull them together? Yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Seriously, there's, it's before you're pregnant. I mean, I don't know. Like these are things that you can think about even prior to pregnancy, Mm -hmm. but definitely as early as possible. You want to start thinking about the provider first, right? That's going to be the very first thing you think about and then how to make sure that your husband's on the same page with you. But everything should build upon itself and just get better and better. And the earlier that you do it, the more you can refine it, right? Yeah. You can change your providers a couple of times. You can change hospitals a couple of times. You can change your doula. So all of that matters. It is important to take an excellent birth class. And we're not just saying that because we have an excellent birth class. We really mean it. There's stuff that you don't know, stuff that we can't even get into part of the reason being that we need to show you things and stuff, but there's things we can't get into on the podcast. You need a streamlined birth education plan. And that's what a birth class can provide. Um, you need to be able to visualize your dream birth. You need to be able to know your options. You need to be able to ask lots of questions and get really good answers. Um, but I love that you can draw on a community of other course members and women and their experience to use as a support group. Yeah. And taking it back to Jessica's example, right? Like that first one, even though she had listened to all the podcasts and and read all the books and everything. And actually, if we want to think about even the reviewer of the week, right, you have all that information. But if you are not, if it's not information in action, if it's not knowledge put to the test, you're not going to have the tools that you need walking into the birth space. So when all that stuff was happening to Jessica in that first scenario, you know, we need to break your water. We've got to do this. I'm just going to make a little snip. And you don't know enough to say, no, no, that's, I'm not okay with that. Actually. I'm, I'm prepared in my mind. I know all the different ways that this can go. And I've made my, my decision for myself Mm -hmm. using my intuition and this birth space to say, this is how I want it to be. That all matters, but you can't do that very clearly if you don't know everything involved with it. Well, and I think that practice and preparation make confidence. Yeah. Right. So Jessica in scenario number one, she knew that she wanted those things, but I don't know that she had put them into action. And because of that, she wasn't very confident and ended up going along with what they were saying. So practice and preparation make confidence. Yeah. Um, In terms of interviewing a doula, I would say that typically you're going to want to do this maybe during your second trimester. Um, first might be a little early, but yeah, you know, I've seen, I've seen women do it in all places, but I do feel like second trimester happens to be that sweet spot. Hopefully you've gotten everything else kind of set up and now you're ready to move into this. And I think too, when you're taking a birth course, um, yes, we have women that sign up at any given time, including the very first few weeks of their pregnancy, but you have all the knowledge and information that you're going to need from a good birth course that can bring you into, this is how you interview a doula. This is where you find them. This is what that support looks like or how it should feel for you. And, um, yeah, second trimester is a 
a great time to do that. You're going to need to take a birthplace tour at some point. <laughs> Thankfully, things virtual are tour, <laughs> virtual <maybe right> tour. <laughs> Hopefully we're starting to eventually yeah. get back to in-person, but different hospitals have different policies, um, cesarean rates, obnoxious tendencies, <laughs> um, staff, et cetera. And keep in mind, it doesn't have to be a hospital. Stephanie and I have both birthed outside of the hospital and had incredible experiences. So it could be that that's where you're most comfortable and that's okay. But if you're open to considering that you could actually have maybe even, dare I say, a more positive experience <laughs> in a different setting, don't don't be opposed to it. Even maybe just take a tour. It's not going to hurt. I feel like we need to do an Instagram reel that would include the birthplace tour, but it's your house. Like, yeah. <laughs> here this is where I will be same. laboring in my shower. Right? <laughs> this is my birth bed. <laughs> this is my birthing tub. Yeah. I love it. So once you figure out what you want, and maybe that's like, we'll have to link to that episode where we talk about like how to envision your perfect birth. But once you decide what your ideal birth looks like, that's when it's time to to move and get the support that you need. And that includes the birth class and the provider and the husband on board. All that kind of happens together. And of course, the goal in all of this is to help you feel um, informed, empowered, confident, safe, capable, um, completely happy with your birthing choices. And we want to promise you that if you do these things, you will not look back on your birth with regret. Um, even one that doesn't stick to the plan. All right, mamas, we will be back with more tips and advice soon. In the meantime, be sure to subscribe so that you get notifications first about new episodes. And don't forget to head over to myessentialbirth.com for more information on the birth course and to join our online community serving pregnant mamas just like you.